I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Thanks, Jandy. Well, good evening. I'm Chris Brooks. I'm the pastor here at Kairos. Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other and his mission. It's your first time with us or you're just checking us out. Thanks for being here. We got connection cards if you want to fill them out, learn more about our community and how you can plug in and get connected. Um, We're in the middle of a series called Soul Care. And in our soul care series, we're kind of just focusing in on what does it look like to really Sabbath rest in Jesus? I was reading a story in uh, U.S. World News and Report, not Us Weekly, Haley Hatchell, but U.S. World News and Report. Um, And Letty Coman was the journalist, and she describes uh, a coworker of hers who went to Africa to go on an expedition. And when she lands, she gets there, she hires some native guides, gets ready to go, and they're off and running the first day. And they get done their first day, and she just writes that she's really pleased with the progress they make. I mean, they covered lots of miles, the pace was really aggressive, and she was super excited about how much, how aggressively they had accomplished going through the territory that they wanted to. So when she woke up in the morning, she was ready to get packed and hit the trail and get going. And much to her chagrin, she was surprised to find that all the native guides were resting and wouldn't get up. And so she went over to the lead guide and said, excuse me, is there a problem? Is there something wrong with the contract? Is there something wrong with the wages I'm paying you? Why are none of the people I hired working or moving? Let's get going. And the lead guide explained to her, we moved too fast and too far the first day. We will now sit to wait until our souls catch up with our bodies. Anybody ever feel like that? Anybody feel like that when you just plop on the couch? They're sitting on the couch and there's plopping on the couch and you're just like, please save me. Anybody ever do the face forward, fall into your bed with the hands backwards. And you're like, I'm just going to sleep in my clothes. Like, ugh. It's the feeling that you've moved so fast and furious. Forgive that word together. I apologize. (laughs) You've Vin Dieseled yourself. Um, I'll stop there. That's no good. Don't worry. There'll be another sequel. Um, You're going... uh, my body is here, but I'm not sure if my soul has catched up to everything that I've done. She goes on to write uh, at the end, her observation is this, that our life lived in this whirlwind of activity, we suffer the same problem that those native guides did. The only difference is they knew how to restore balance, and we often don't. In Chinese culture, they have um, two characters that form a single pictograph that is the word for busyness, and it's heart and killing. And sometimes I wonder, when will we realize that the pace that we're living at is literally killing our hearts and our souls and our receptivity to God and the ability to rest in all that his gospel has accomplished for us. So the good news of the gospel tonight, men and women, is this, that Christ's work on the cross, he says it's finished. 
so we can rest in his finished work. That doesn't mean that there's not still work for us to participate in and with him. It just means that we have, because of the gospel, the ability to rest in the midst of unfinished work as an act of faith and an act of trust. Um, so we were, we're gonna finish up the series next week and hopefully we can do some Q&A. We'll put a slide up here for where you can text in any questions that you have, any practical implications. Take a screenshot of that screenshot. Um, and if you think of any questions that we haven't covered or that you're dying to ask uh, about soul care and Sabbath keeping, please do that. We'd, we'd love to engage in a dialogue with you and we'll just kind of play it by ear how next week goes based off of what you guys write in. But one of the questions that I need to preemptively answer is you guys have been great and following along and listening and we've been in Deuteronomy and Exodus and looking at in the Ten Commandments how to keep the Sabbath holy. One roots the motivation in creation, the other in liberation. But that begs the question, hey Chris, that's great. Thanks for camping out in the Old Testament, but I'm a New Testament kind of Christian, okay? I'm no longer under the law, I'm under grace, brother, okay? So... Why are you preaching all this condemning religious ritual observance stuff? What's, what's the deal here? Well, it's a fair question. Um, what does the New Testament or the gospel have to say about Sabbath keeping and Sabbath rhythms? So the answer to the question is, does the gospel require me to keep the Sabbath? The simple answer is no, it does not. The answer to the next question is, does the gospel release me to keep the Sabbath? The answer is absolutely it does. So that's what it looks like to be in gospel freedom and responsibility to take care of your soul and your community and making sure there's healthy rest patterns. Now, I really want to be fair here because I've done some research on this. There's a scholar by the name of Thomas Schreiner, and he has a book called Christians and Biblical Law, which I've never woken up in the morning and thought, I really want to write a book on that topic, but I'm glad he did so I could read it, parts of it. Um, he says this, Christians are no longer required to keep the Sabbath. The New Testament writers have no quarrel with people who set aside the Sabbath as long as they do not require it for salvation or insist that other believers agree with them. But then he's quick to note, it is wise naturally for believers to rest, and hence one principle that could be derived from Sabbath is that believers should regularly rest. Now, I, I would go on a little bit further to that and say not only is the Sabbath healthy for New Testament and gospel-believing Christians to rest um, as a way to declare and demonstrate our faith in Jesus, I also see it as an incredible act of rebellion to counterculturally say, I will not solely be defined by my productivity. I will not believe and buy into the lie that it, only what happens is only what I can accomplish. I think we have to, I, I love the country that we live in. I love some of the values that we empower people um, to make a difference in their life and in other people's lives, but slowly that American dream can creep into our gospel reality. And we are those who trust that God is good and he is sovereign, and that when we live in his rhythms and underneath his teachings, there are things that he can orchestrate that are far beyond what we could possibly hope, think, dream, or imagine.
And a lot of times that requires me to take a step back and rest in God's plans and in his timing. Because I don't know about you, but some of my biggest frustrations and arguments with God are about his timing. Because sometimes I think, I'm like, come on, I thought we had a plan and agreement here. Like, we do this, this, and this, and then you do this, this, and this. And oftentimes, he's way more concerned about shaping my character than he is about accomplishing my plans. So that's what I need to say about that. Um, and just a second, we'll get into the text that uh, was read for us beforehand. But just as a primer before we go into our text, what is Jesus' relationship with the Sabbath? I'll try not to geek out here, but I love seeing Jesus go up against religious leaders and redefine uh, God's good intentions for us. You need to know that when Jesus has strong words for the Pharisees against Sabbath keeping, because they're like, why are you healing on the Sabbath, Jesus? Ooh, look at your disciples picking grain. You're so not spiritual like us. Uh, The Sabbath keeping had been hijacked from a time of rest to a time to prove how serious you were about living in God's laws and regulations. And Jesus' biggest problems a lot of times with the religious institution is you have neglected mercy in favor of keeping these rules. And it started out with good intentions, right? Hey, let's make sure we don't walk more than 85 steps. Hey, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, and it got really, really legalistic to the point where I think they started to choke out the very reason that God intended it for. But if you're trying to figure out, hey, what does Sabbath keeping look like in my life? Uh, Again, I don't wanna give you new laws or new regulations. I just want to point you to Jesus and trust that his spirit will lead you into truth and what it looks like for you to restore a healthy rhythm for your soul. I like that word rhythm, by the way, better than balance. Never people talk about life balance, impossible, okay, (laughs) right? As soon as you juggle something, it's off. Those of you who have kids know that's totally impossible. Uh, Once you have it figured out, something changes. But I love rhythm. Um, I don't have any, so it's, I I, I want it in different areas of my life. Rhythm is basically stressed and unstressed uh, syllables or notes. So the reason why sometimes the music is so compelling is there's areas that are stressed and unstressed. And what does Jesus do in Sabbath keeping rhythms when he's unstressing other things in his life What does he give emphasis to so that they're actually highlighted in different ways? So here's a a quick list. We'll put it up in the screen. Again, put a coat of primer down, whatever colors you paint with it after that. I trust you a little bit. Jesus prayed. Jesus had a close circle of friends, 12 who he went through life with. He shared everything with them. People often underestimate the role of friendship in Jesus's life. I'm too busy for that. Okay, how's that working out for you? Jesus engaged in regular corporate worship at synagogue. Uh, And he preached short sermons, by the way. Today, this is fulfilled in your midst. And he sat down. That's awesome. More of Jesus, right? Jesus filled his mind with scripture. He enjoyed creation, mountains, gardens, and lakes. Jesus took long walks. This, by the way, this feels like uh, it's a dating profile for Jesus, doesn't it? (laughs) Just realize that. We'll work on that in our relationship series. <laughs> relationship status. I'm dating Jesus. And we're going to Radnor Lake together. <laughs> I 
Jesus welcomed the little children and hugged them and blessed them. Oh, he's so much more Christ-like than I am. Jesus enjoyed partying with non-religious types. Uh So that's some of the things that Jesus did on the Sabbath. So maybe one of those resonates with you. Maybe all those resonate with you. What are some of those rhythms that are being neglected right now? Which ones that you're really good at that your community could learn from you about? But Jesus, uh, I think, is constantly always elevating the conversation. When we're asking him questions about keeping the law, he usually goes above and beyond and says, here is life as I have intended it. And he does that again in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn in John chapter 15. Let me pray for us before we read God's word. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. John 15. And thanks, Matt, for reading that earlier. I just love hearing God's word in as many different translations as possible so I can get as many colors and shades and hues uh, as to the language and the intention. So... Here's another one. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, or abide in me, and I will abide in you, or remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now catch this. This is why he's told us all this. This is incredible. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Here's a bottom line statement for our time tonight. Your ability to produce is directly related to your ability to be pruned. Your ability to produce fruit, to live the life God has intended you to live, to make disciples that make disciples, to be formed and shaped in his image, and become the person he has dreamed of, is directly related to your ability to be pruned. Or maybe said a different way, your availability to be pruned. So Captain Purdom is not with us tonight. He's gone AWOL. Um, he's 
on vacation. He's Sabbath resting. Like, I was, you're not supposed to apply the message, dude. You're just supposed to listen to it. That's not cool. But he's on vacation with his kids. And when you have small kids, it's not called vacation. It's called relocation. Right, Audrey? Uh-huh. That's my wife's joke. I steal it all the time. So Matt reminded us, sans Hebrew, that rest and work are in our rhythms of creation. And we remembered that we weren't designed to rest from our work, we resigned to work from our rest. So there's a natural pendulum that swings, that we Sabbath with the Lord, and we celebrate, and then we move into worship and work. And both of those things, in this text, we'll find out, are rooted in abiding, or remaining. That we can do both those things in partnership with the true vine, who's Jesus. And then if you'll remember, when we're in God's rhythms, this is what this looks like. When we're out of God's rhythms and we start working really, really hard and we go up without any rest, we start to get into this high RPM red line mode. Um, I've got a stick shift and anytime my RPMs are going too high, it's got this little light that comes on that says shift full shift, okay? It doesn't say, that's how I interpret it. I have a con- condemning voice in my head sometimes. But this is striving. This is um, where we're burning out. Um, or excuse me, this is busyness. Right, this is when we're in our own strength and we work, 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 work as hard as we can, push, 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 push. And we don't plan to stop unless we have to. The problem though is when you get the pendulum way up here, guess what happens? with the same force that you pushed it up here, it ricochets down like this, and instead of resting, you burn out. Or you isolate, and you medicate. And you'll find yourself slowly creating attachments that say, I can't rest unless I do this, or unless I have this, or I'm just doing this to help unplug. I'm not saying there's not healthy places to do that, but a lot of us, when we're in this extreme swinging, this turns into places where strongholds start to take place in our life. And it gets, it's subtle at first, and then before you know it, uh, you're relying on things that the Lord never intended for you to rely on. Now, in this text, Jesus, I think, adds uh, another layer to this rest-work rhythm, Right? He tells us that we're to abide in him and will produce much fruit. So as we come out of rest and into work, this is our growth area. We're swinging into growth, partnering with him and his spirit, taking responsibility and asking him to bless our efforts. And we're trying to follow his direction. So we're swinging into work and growth. But what does it look like in Jesus's kingdom when we come back to rest? This is where pruning comes in. Here's what's really interesting. He says, any branch that abides in me that produces fruit, I'll do what? Leave him alone and go, good job. That's good enough. I'll take it. You're, you're great, kid. Just rest in that. I'll prune them so they'll produce even more fruit. So pruning is directly related to your ability to grow. Now, Two areas of pruning, neither of which I don't know anyone who goes, yay, break out the pruning shears, 
Father, I can't wait. Here you go. Snip. We get it when it's sin. When things start to grow up that are unruly and we just go, Lord, in your mercy, bring your pruning shears to my heart, my life, my mind. I I thought I dealt with this, but it's come out in a different area. Lord, would you help, help remove this from my life? That, that's difficult. You know what I found is even more difficult? When Jesus wants to prune out good things in your life to make space for new growth. Because boy, we wanna hang on to this. And boy, our identity gets trapped up in that real quick, doesn't it? We partner with something and the Lord produced fruit and we're like, oh my goodness, look at me. I'm fruit bearing. That's just weird. Um, <laughs> Let's stay away from that. It sounded different out loud than in my head, but. It is a totally different skill set and discernment in your life when the Lord is calling you. I know that's good. I know that's been helpful for a season. And I know this is gonna hurt, but I'm gonna remove that so that I can produce new growth and better growth that you can't yet see. And our tendency is just to grab on and go, no, Lord, please don't do that. A lot of times he takes us into circumstances where we never would have submitted to certain things being pruned from our life. And we have to trust the good Father's intentions that we can swing back and forth and we can abide through it all. Now here's what was really interesting for me. Again, I don't have an agricultural degree, um, nor am I a vine dresser, But in researching this passage, um, I think we have a slide of this. Did you know that uh, a vine grower will prune back a grapevine for three years before it ever lets it produce fruit? Three years. It's planted, it's growing, snips it back. First year, second year, third year. In its third year, it's allowed to produce fruit. If it allows it to produce fruit without pruning, one of two things will happen. It'll produce tiny, bitter grapes. Or if it so happens to produce good grapes that are full and rich and ripe, guess what the threat is? The branch has not had long enough time in the vine to establish its strength and connection and it snaps the branch. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed in my life that when there's areas of growth that go too quickly and I run ahead of Jesus and I rush my agenda, all of a sudden I'll find out that what I wind up producing is tiny and bitter and it doesn't last. There's also been times when I feel like I've kept pace with the Lord and fruit has just been produced and it's incredible but I wind up literally breaking underneath the weight of the growth that's occurring because my connection to the vine isn't as strong as it should have been. So here's a picture of what an unpruned grapevine looks like. Wait for it, wait for it. Can you see the fruit? Exactly. Do you know where it probably is? In the dirt rotting. Let's take a look at what a pruned grapevine looks like. This is God's goal for your life. 
And a lot of times what you think is a threat to your freedom is actually the pathway to it. And so the question tonight is, what needs to be pruned? What in your life right now is the spirit going, I know this is good, but I wanna prune back so that there can be new growth or bigger growth. What is growing that is distracting you from producing fruit? And where is there an area where you see the Lord is wanting to grow you and you need to partner with him and just abide and release that to him and say, Lord, I'll show up every day, but it's your job to produce fruit. It says at the end of the text, we show that we are his disciples by bearing much fruit. The producing is on him. We don't get to pick the fruit that we produce and it doesn't come from us giving extra effort. What it comes from is making sure we stay in season and abide with the true vine. Amen? So we're gonna take 120 seconds. Band's gonna come up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll the whiteboard out. And I want us to listen in and have a conversation with God. So just ask him, is there anything in my life right now that you wanna prune? Is there an area that I have been unwilling, hesitant, or fearful to submit to your pruning shears? Or on the other side, is there an area that you're wanting to grow me in that I have not been abiding and allowing you to work through me? That I know you're trying to produce this fruit in my life, but I am digging my heels in and I will do anything just to get through the circumstance rather than partnering with your spirit for it to produce something in my character that I'm gonna need. So let's listen in and then after 120 seconds, we'll sing a song. And then if you've got something that's really on your heart from this listening time, uh, we'll have our prayer counselors down front and we'd love to pray with you uh, however we can. So let's listen in together.